Let's Talk PR and more. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and more with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. Hi, I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to the show, Let's Talk PR and More. Today's guest is Patia Abdur Razak. Patia is a digital marketing strategist and principal of the Stylista Group, a New York City-based digital marketing agency specializing in online strategic campaigns for lifestyle and luxury brands. During her career, she has developed online marketing campaigns for a range of clients, including Dunkin' Donuts and Fleet Bank. Patia is also a Grow with Google speaker, teaching businesses best practices in digital marketing, and she is one of the co-founders of Mosaic Mommies, a one-stop destination for mom influencers of color to connect, learn, and grow their online influence. So as you can guess, today's topic is influencer marketing, and I'm so excited to have Patia here. Welcome, Patia. Good to have you. Hi. Thank you for inviting me, Sherry. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. I'm looking forward to getting started. And let me start with this. A recent article in O'Dwyer's newsletter, which is a major PR industry newsletter, said that 2023 will be another banner year for influencer marketing, despite predictions of its demise. And they said influencer marketing, it will be becoming a higher priority in brands marketing budgets, according to research. In fact, almost two-thirds of brand marketing leaders that they surveyed said they expected their influencer marketing budgets to grow this year. So I think it's time we all understood influencer marketing. So right. let's start with the <laughs> basics. What is influencer marketing? Right. So influencer marketing is basically when brands collaborate with um, people who have grown a following in certain niches. Um, so I guess the beauty industry is the most relatable industry for everyone to understand this. Um, there are lots of mostly young ladies, but some young men out there who have grown a huge community. Sometimes they have millions of followers and who promote various um, beauty products. They do um, demonstrations, they do reviews. Um, and so those people would be considered influencers because the people who are a part of their online communities look to them for advice, for what's trending in certain spaces. And of course, an influencer can not only be in the beauty space, there are people who are you know, influencers in the organic food space or the lifestyle space. And so what brands have found over the past, I want to say, five plus years is that people tend to trust these people who have grown these online communities more than they trust brands themselves. And so it has become a really successful way of placing yourself in front of a very targeted audience, right, who already trust these people. And it's a great way for you to build brand awareness, introduce new products, and of course, increase sales. So it's been my experience that it's Obviously, it's becoming a higher priority for brands, especially marketing budgets, but it's mm -hmm. replacing more traditional PR tactics, the things we did for years, the publicity, right. the getting the articles written yes. in the glamour magazines or right. in the, the beauty pages of newspapers or, or having it on The View or Good Morning America, right. and it's replacing that. So why do you think it's replacing that, or, or should they be better? Because... 
you know, I teach PR and I'm in PR mm -hmm. forever. And certainly we talk about earned media, that editorial coverage coming with that third party endorsement. It's not paid. Obviously, you right. pitched it. Somebody vetted it. It's a good idea. They recommend mm -hmm. it. And you're standing on their credibility. And right. we do know that influencers are getting paid. We'll talk about that a little later. So this is a yes. paid piece of the puzzle, which right. in some ways is a different credibility. So why do you think it's even replacing things that are more traditional? For me, I think it's because it's trackable. So, okay. for example, the influencers that I choose to work with on behalf of my clients usually have a track record of delivering results. And what like does results could, mean? Results would be, you know, as a result of a campaign, the brand gained this many more followers. As a result of a campaign, the brand actually saw a specific increase in sales, right? Um, all of these things are trackable. And so I think it, as a brand, if you are saying to yourself, okay, I need to divvy up my marketing budget, and what I'm really looking for is, you know, X, Y, Z results, um, you know, you, you probably are going to be a little more interested in um, a tactic where you can actually track to see what's happening. Um, also, I think, you know, that level of, of, of trust that these influencers have within their communities, the really good ones that we mentioned, we'll talk more about that, that they do get paid as they should because it's a lot of work to become a really good influencer. No, and they're delivering they're, for the brand for sure. No question. For the brand, but they, you know, if they are authentic influencers and there are a lot of inauthentic influencers Yes, out there, there are. <laughs> they usually will not endorse products or services that they honestly do not believe in. And so because of that, there's this inherent trust that a lot of their followers have in them. Is there a different kind of campaign that a brand does for an influencer than they would do to pitch that earned media and get those talk shows and those demonstrations of products? That it's a whole different set, obviously it's content, but a whole different set of strategies and messages that we would do for influencers than traditional media? Um, yes, there are. I think the whole, the whole thing with influencers and why brands may prefer them is actually tying um, the campaigns back to sales or, you know, things that, like I said, are easily trackable. So, for example, um, one way that you, you, you can do that with an influencer is like, yes, they'll do their demo. Some of them do actually pr promote things in the media if they have those connections. But then there's always some sort of urgency to having the influencer do the campaign. So if you purchase this product or you join the email list, use this specific code, or sometimes some of them have affiliate links where um, if there's any kind of like interaction um, with their audience um, in whatever they're promoting, that immediately that interaction is captured. Okay. Um, and so for me, and everybody does not do this, I'm just sharing my approach. Appreciate like it. <laughs> those are the influencers that I tend to want to work with because, I mean, it's you, you can see almost immediately whether the campaign is being effective or not, right? Um, so, you, you know, you, they do um, a promo, whatever it is, and you can see within, you know, 24 hours or sometimes less exactly if that exposure is going to um, impact the brand in, in a positive way is based there, in whatever the goals are. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly one of the things that PR has wrestled with for years is how to evaluate what we do. Right. So being right. able to say that this worked and, right. and being able to measure it is a good thing. Yes. So the question yes. then becomes, is it 
sales? Is it just followers on social media? I mean, that, you know, for the brand, obviously it increases their their audience. But Mm -hmm. again, if people aren't buying, you know, we don't know how many followers are regularly engaged as versus click once, never see again. Right. Um, You know, and how do you track that? And then my other question is, because you mentioned a campaign in 24 hours. Is there a very short time window for a campaign with an influencer as versus we're pitching media and we could be pitching that same story for a month? Because maybe you'll see it in a newspaper and a day, three days later, you'll see it on TV and three days later, you'll see it in a magazine. So there's a lot of different touch points as versus an influencer. Is it a one hit short window? No. No, I do not work with one-off influencers personally. I refuse to do it. Marketing 101 has not changed. Okay, good. And Glad so to know that. <laughs> the influencers that I personally prefer to work with are the ones who understand marketing, first of all. So my comment before, when I said you see within 24 hours, I, I mean, you can see, you can begin to measure and see an okay. in whatever it is. However, I prefer to work for, with influencers who um, are willing to do three-month campaigns or, you know, a couple of weeks at least because we know that in terms of exposure, 7 to 14 on average, right? right. Or you really get to see. And so they are one-off influencers. And I honestly, I mean, unless it's a celebrity type of influencer, I've definitely seen campaigns where it's been like a huge name celebrity and that would be a macro influencer, not a micro influencer. Right. So the different types of influencers where just because of that one post, you know, a brand completely sells out. That's different, right? But when we're talking more on the micro to nano influencer level, now somebody who's not a just have a huge amount of in their their um their niche, then you know to get the best results, it should be some sort of ongoing campaign because you know the first exposure, especially if it's a brand, will probably garner some some interest, right? Um, but in terms of conversion, if the goal of the campaign is to see an uptick in sales, for example, then that will take several exposures for that to happen. Okay, so you bring up a couple points. So you said there are different levels of influencers. So we know mm-hmm. the celebrity, but what is for everybody listening that might know the difference between a micro or a nano? I know it's based upon number of followers, right? Right, right. So a nano influencer would be an influencer who has a following in the low thousands, right? So there are some influencers who may just have 2,500 followers, maybe 5,000 followers, but their followers are hyper-engaged. And so in terms of conversion, actually, the smaller the following, the better the engagement (laughs) and the larger the conversion. So many brands actually choose on purpose to work with, you know, nano and and micro influencers would be like in the higher thousands. So say maybe up to in the hundreds of thousands at this point. At one point it was 50,000. But, you know, the the higher your following is, the harder it is to engage them, right? So for a brand that's really looking for high engagement and a faster conversion, they may choose to, who obviously can't afford a celebrity, because if it's celebrity, you definitely could get the conversion. It's just going to be really, really, really expensive. Right, and it's not like no, but not everybody has that budget or not wants to. Not everybody has that budget, exactly. Um, they would definitely choose to work with a micro-influencer or a nano-influencer because, again, this all ties back to credibility and trust. So you have a really qualified target audience 
that really trust this person that is already actively engaging and purchasing with whatever you know products and services that you're selling like this is the tribe that you're hoping to connect with and so for that reason many brands choose to work with influencers who have smaller but hyper engaged followings so what determines a good influencer and and does the influencer reach out to the brand and say hey i do a lot of beauty TikTok, so i want to wrap you or does brands say hey i'm looking to reach their audience and then find an influencer and then also do you have to worry let's say they're a beauty influencer you know who else they rep because while you may not have exclusivity, you don't want today mm-hmm. that repping Maybelline and tomorrow L'Oreal Mascara and the next day, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are different ways that brands can engage with influencers. When influencers are just starting out and building their communities, they definitely are the ones reaching out to the brands. You okay. kind of have to because nobody knows no, who you exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> and I have students that want to be influencers. That right. they How they do I be an influencer and how yes. do they get paid? You have to do the hard work. You have to reach out. There are also several platforms and influencer communities that you can become a part of that brands actually look to to source influencers. And so initially, you may have to reach out and do your own groundwork. After you've gotten a, a couple of projects under your belt with results, then you can sign up to these various platforms who that brand, so for example, a brand would, would look to a certain platform and they would do, it's kind of like a filtering search thing where they say, you know, we have this upcoming project, we're looking for influencers who fit this specific criteria. And because you are a member of the community, you would see the opportunity and you can then present yourself. Um, so it goes both ways. Um, as an agency, I um, use some of those platforms to source influencers okay. because it's just easy. You kind of like put in the criteria, what you're looking for. You get this huge list. Sometimes it's overwhelming <laughs> of influencers who fit the criteria and, and that sort of thing. And then you just kind of like select and vet them after that. But when you're just starting out, you definitely would have to be the one that, you know, reaches out to the brand. And the truth is when you're starting out, you may not get paid because you don't have the level of credibility yet. Um, I have found that the influencers who have become really good at this and um, who are successful today were the folks who were the early adapters. Like a lot of them were just doing this because they enjoyed <laughs> whatever, you know, it is, whether it's makeup or sharing information about, you know, their, their lifestyle or whatever. And right. they were doing it initially and not getting paid, which I think a lot of people don't understand. Like somebody who at this point has a million YouTube followers, like if you were to go back to the beginning of this, whenever they started, they were not getting paid. They were just creating really great content. And then once influencer marketing became a job, right? It is a job It now. is a job and, and people want that as a career. I think some people underestimate it. We'll talk in a minute. Some people think, I'll just sit home and make a TikTok once a week and make a million bucks. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) People did this for free for years before, you know, it actually became a thing. And it used to be, and I remember repping and, you know, doing PR for a plus size fashion line. It used to be you can give people an outfit and they'd be glad to do content. And then it was like, I want to count outfit in ten thousand dollars or i want a wardrobe in ten like not in my budget we're a startup brand and right and you've got three followers it's just crazy exactly 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 so you know it takes time (laughs) 
it's not an overnight success thing for all of the people out there who want to be influencers. And, you know, they just see the glamorized side of it. They do. Absolutely. They, so let's talk about the unglamorous side. Right. What does it take to be an influencer? And from a brand perspective, I mean, certainly what should the brand expect? But who's creating that content? Who's cr- controlling that message? I'm a PR person. I'm f- I'm a freak about controlling the message and make sure it has my copy points and make sure it has my vision and it makes sure it so represents you know, the, the owner, brand. But I yeah, know with the influencers, owner, it's also got to have their sensibility and their style so that it does become authentic to them and it right. does become unique to them. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, the onus on the, is really on the brand to make sure that you are collaborating with influencers who understand um, what your brand messaging is. There should be contracts and things. There should be style guides and all and guidelines okay. that should be provided to the influencer. I mean, yes, they should be allowed to be creative, but they also, they're, I mean, at this point, they're an extension of your brand. Um, so it makes no sense to me to just leave it up to them, right? No, I would um, be bad business in my perspective that, to do that. Right. Right, right. You know, and, and a lot of I, you know, I, I speak to a lot of brands who have had influence, influencer marketing go wrong. And every time the reason it has gone wrong is because they have not been really clear about guidelines and, you know, the things that the influencer should be following. And the campaign is unmanaged. Like they just, you know, send them whatever product it is. Maybe they pay them and they're off and running. Like, you know, things need to be approved before they go live, at least initially. I find that if it's an ongoing um, collaboration, after a while, the influencers get it and you don't have to micromanage them so much. Sure. Um, But in the beginning, you should absolutely um, make sure that whatever content um, they're planning on creating and distributing um, on behalf of your brand, right, or in support of your brand is up to par with everything else. So you have um, a right to ask to approve it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Just like anything else, right? Well, you know, when we pitch our media, we can't approve that. Certainly ads we can approve. So I didn't know where the the fine line fell. fell. But I think it's good that we can because... You can. It is an extension. It does have to say paid, but it it is an extension to your brand and they're all representing you. And brands and organizations work way too hard on their reputation to have it. Right. One day can be catastrophic. Right. Exactly. What are reasonable expectations when you work with a, an influencer? What what should a brand expect? Is there a certain amount of posts a week? Is there a certain amount of level of engagement? If they've got 50,000 followers, should a brand expect 10% engagement with those? Are there reasonables or does it just vary all over the place? It varies all over the place, to be honest. It, okay. it really does. Um, in terms of determining posts per week and all of that stuff, like those things should be specified in a contract. Um, And so nothing should move forward unless, you know, everybody's clear as to what's expected, right? Um, And many influencers will charge you based on the amount of activities that you are Oh, so it's floating. It's not a flat fee. No. So most of them have packages. Okay. So they'll say, okay, if you want us to go full blast and post everywhere this many times a week, whatever, this is the price. Um, You know, a lot of them tier their services, which is actually really smart because it gives them the opportunity to work within a range of what a brand may be able to afford. And so that's actually one of mine. Like there's, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> certain things that I've learned. I mean, trial and error, right? Absolutely. Act, Listen, this is a burgeoning process. business. Six years ago, this didn't really even exist. <laughs> and, now even it's, really exist. and now it's right. cannibalizing all public relations budgets. Exactly. So that just shows you how much it's changed and the world exactly. has changed. So I usually ask for some sort of like package kit. And, and you know, the influencers that, that really want to do a good job or have been doing this and can prove results, they already have this. The ones that don't respond, that's usually an indication that they're not. They're probably not an influencer I want to work with because they don't have this, right? And so, you yeah. know, I've learned to weed people out based on that. Like, well, you, you don't want to start examples? with the newbies. You, you want to start right, with exactly. the tried and true people. And I get exactly. it, you know. Exactly, exactly. There's this website called Influencer Hub. But every year they update influencer rates, what a brand can expect to pay based on size of influencer which is a great guide and so pretty much they tell you it's influencer marketing hub not influencer hub influencer marketing hub so if you go to influencermarketinghub.com slash influencer dash rate they have updated it for 2023 as they always do and they give you a range of what a brand can expect to pay for category of influencer and by amount of activity. And I kind of like use this to like benchmark um, and manage, you know, brand expectations as well as when I'm getting pricing for people to make sure that they're not like, you know, no, that they're within what, what a center of influence thinks it's fair for them to charge. Um, and so they have, okay, actually they updated um, the influencer. So a nano influencer, according to them, yes. is somebody who has 1,000 to 10,000 followers. 1,000, okay. Micro is 10,000 to 50. 10 to 50. Mid tier is 50 to 500,000. Macro would be 500,000 to a million. And a mega influencer would be a million plus, which would be like your celebrity. Right. Mm -hmm. that's definitely changed because I even have that in one of my lessons and I'm just took notes because I'm going to have to update my numbers there. This is a great, like I I look for all my updated numbers from this website because they do a good job of keeping us honest. (laughs) When you work with a brand, do you recommend they work with a few influencers at the same time? Let's say it's a beauty brand or a food Mm -hmm. brand. I mean, should they work with one influencer and put their eggs in a basket. And I say that because if we pick a spokesperson for a brand, we pick one, right? If we pick a celebrity to book in media, we pick one, obviously. And they become the face of the the public relations campaign. But I think influencers are different. So should you work with many at the same time or work in Uh, them? Say one, you you get the teen market, you get the young adult market, or do do you work with them? to segment audiences or do you work with a few at the same time that may cross audiences? My approach, and again, this is my approach, <laughs> is when, especially if it's a new brand who has never done this before, right. we usually pick, say, three to five of them right. that we think okay. are great. Um, and we do an initial, say, 90-day campaign with them. Okay. We then analyze those results because, for me, the long-term relationship is really what brings the results. Right. We then analyze those results, and then based on those results, we may choose, you know, okay, this person, we're going to continue to work work or two or whatever. They, they're bringing the results. They understand the brand, whatever. And then we may choose to con- have ongoing relationships with those two to three people. Unlike a spokesperson, you don't have to choose one influencer, right? Because Well, that's why I'm asking, thing. yeah, because a spokesperson, you're you going do, to, right? Right, yeah. No, you can. I mean, and it's fine. Brands do it all of the time. 
Because the thing about it is that different influencers may appeal to different subsets of your target audience. Right. And so having that kind of like, you know, exposure, right, and and different way of possibly communicating what the brand is about actually can pay off in the long run. Is there a situation that you've ever had where, you know, you found an influencer you're working with and then they obviously, let's say, went from nano to micro or something and then took on competitive brands and now you're in a situation where you know they're not representing you the way that you thought you would or or they have some other baggage that may have come up how much do you have to monitor all of their content while you have a relationship with an influencer because it's such a different business right 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 i mean that that has never happened to me personally (laughs) but yeah yeah but i think i mean i I can see how it can easily happen and then it's just a communication thing right like you have to you have to treat these people as partners (laughs) and they have to treat you as a partner and they have to treat you as a partner right right And, and i think that relationships are really important and if you really like nurture a relationship then the likelihood of, I don't, I don't think it's impossible that it would happen, but the likelihood of that kind of thing happening, you know, kind of like, it lessens oh, that's- um, the occurrence of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and that is why in vetting influencers, like I spend a lot of time there because you don't want somebody who's just out to make the money and then move on to the next best thing, right? Right, and I that mean, I the- think is the problem. They're representing you and you're wrapped in their identity. So you really right. have to know who you're, you're dating, you really so have to, speak. to know exactly exactly you, you know you want somebody who you could possibly have an ongoing relationship with um and so you know that's that's part of the you know the initial conversations and um you know i mean people sometimes tell you whatever you want to hear but I, you know <laughs> you can kind of figure it out right right yeah gut instinct, <laughs> but gut instinct usually tells you if this person's being sincere or not <laughs> right I, I think that's true but i think that just says you really have to do your due diligence right are there right. platforms that are better for social and platform oh, social for for influencer marketing and platforms that are just not as effective i mean i think tiktok yeah. is probably the most effective tiktok but- at this point has taken over tiktok instagram is still a major player it is okay um facebook can be but i think that um if instagram and tiktok would be the top two influencer platforms right now that are you know is it because really- those two platforms well TikTok is obviously all video based. Instagram mm-hmm. has And of real. course YouTube. We're forgetting YouTube. YouTube. That was the original influencer. That's that's where most of these people built their initial subscriptions in the beginning. And does it doing... still play into the picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. Product demonstrations, tutorials, unboxing absolutely still plays into the equation. Yes. So in other words, if I'm hearing and maybe I'm drawing the wrong inference, if the platform accommodates videos and demos and really seeing something live as versus an influencer just posting content or a content Mm -hmm. that's a better platform those platforms that are more static where they can post content or run a contest or the things that maybe worked two years ago they're not as engaged absolutely you got it so does that then mean that certain brands or organizations or industries if they don't have that kind of thing product that can be demonstrated they may not be influencer marketing may not be the best for them i agree i yeah. absolutely agree with that you know yeah. whether you think law firms or accountants or services yeah. or nonprofits, unless 
you know, this sounds like, you know, food, beauty. I'm not even sure clothing. Does does apparel fit into influencer marketing? But it does, Of course, right? absolutely. So what would you they can... do? Put together wardrobes and build yep, it? And... Yep, that's, that's one of the main industries that uses influencer marketing. Different ways to wear a particular outfit. There are lots of, I think, what do they call them? Stitches, alphabets, whatever, where influencers, let's say the same um, shirt or something, but they use different bottoms or whatever. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. The, anything that would have to be video is, is kind right. of the best yes. thing for that. Yes, yes. Um, let's help people out who want to become influencers. You know, mm-hmm. as I said, some of my students want to become influencers. Some of them think it's really easy. We know it's right. not. And we know mm-hmm. they're going to start for free. But how do we suggest people start out if that's what they really want to do or really want to explore what do we do they find their passion and then just create videos around it instead of youtube channel what do they do i i think that the best influencers honestly like that is how they started okay it was because remember you're going to be doing this for free initially so if you're not passionate about it it's going to show no, it's you're gonna right. Show yeah. and you're going to lose steam. So you better really be passionate about what And you have to know eat. it too, right? I have and a student have that wants to be it. a musical influencer, but he has to know music. There's no exactly. faking. You really have to know what you're talking about. Exactly. 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 So definitely choosing a, you know, a, a topic, an industry or whatever that you're passionate about and just putting yourself out there, right? Um, a lot of people, they, you know, again, you know, they spend a lot of money initially because, you know, you have to create really engaging content. There's video equipment, and, you know. So you have to make sure it looks and, good. So it's it lighting, it's good. cameras, it's exactly. not playing on your phone oh, and shooting some things. And Right. Unless, I mean, there's there, there are lots of great videos and um, pictures that are taken on iPhones, like iPhone well, they have good cameras, like a, right? I know, right? A whole, cameras. a whole different thing. Um, but yes, you're going to have to spend a lot of time initially um, creating your influencer persona, okay. um, building your following, and then over time, of course, you know you are going to be able to monetize, um, you know, what you're doing. But it's going to be it's going to be some work in the beginning, absolutely. And it should be right if it's going to be yes. your job. If your career is going to be it's an influencer, exactly. it's work. <laughs> it, it's work. That's why they call it work, right? Yes, yes, exactly. It is work. It is work, and I think that's just the main thing that you know. I I, I teach at Lehman College myself, and that's always you know. <laughs> I see social media and people can't wait till we get to the influencer marketing part so that they can ask me how they can become influencers. And, you know, I don't mean to be discouraging, but I, again, people see the glamorous side of it and they don't realize that it really is work. And before you can start charging prices, right. Before you can start charging prices, you are going to have to do a lot of work for free. <laughs> and then everybody the may not make that money. Listen, so and then everybody, everybody wants to be in entertainment right. PR. And I'm like, you don't realize right. how unglamorous entertainment PR getting to get the right. dry cleaning at three o'clock in the morning is. I right. mean, the answer exactly. is you hear the good stories and there are a few success stories in every business, but there's a lot of people that really do okay. There's a lot of people who really work really, really hard, but yeah. it doesn't economically mean it. There's a lot of pitfalls. And I think people, right. I think people need more realistic advice in terms exactly. of what's going on exactly exactly and it's not to be a deterrent it's just no. you know expectation setting it's all about expectation i started with you know 
influencer marketing, despite predictions, is becoming a higher priority. Do you think it's there's a real more growth trajectory, or do you think it'll always be a piece of it, but it's where it is now? What do you see for the future of this? If we put our crystal ball on, this might be a good place to. Um, I think I think it will be an ongoing part of the marketing puzzle. You know, consumers are becoming more and more savvy. Okay. You know, they they really want to believe in the brands that they support. They really want to, you know, <laughs> only support certain types of people and absolutely. brands and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, brands need to have so, an identity right now. Absolutely. Right, exactly, exactly. And it's not, again, it's not about the brand saying, oh, we're the greatest thing. It's that third-party endorsement and that level of trust and authenticity. Um, so for me, I think that it's going to be an ongoing part of the marketing puzzle. Um, and as marketing evolves, I'm sure influencer marketing will evolve as well. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep looking to see like what's going to happen in the metaverse like you know i'm waiting for some metaverse influencers to start popping up any minute now because there's a whole world already happening in the metaverse like there are people who are marketing and doing amazing things and so you know maybe the next wave of this are going to be influencers who specialize in doing campaigns in the metaverse like you know so i think it's going to be an ongoing piece of the marketing puzzle and it will just continue to evolve with everything else that's going on so this sounds fascinating. Patia, thanks so much for being here today. This has been great. I've loved chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having You're me. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk PR and More. I look forward to talking PR and more with you again next week.